Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature is made possible in part by Organic Valley, a farmer-owned cooperative producing local food with the future in mind since 1988. Learn more at OrganicValley.com. Welcome to the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. Our power comes from protecting what we love. Love of place, love of life, people, animals, nature, all of life on this beautiful planet Earth. And I would say for the entrepreneurs amongst us, it also is about our love of business. Business has been corrupted as an instrument of greed rather than one of service to the common good. Yet we know that business is beautiful when we put our creativity and care into producing a product or service that our community really needs. It's all alive. It's all connected. It's all intelligent. It's all relatives. We stand at the threshold of a historic opportunity in the human experiment to reimagine how to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. In this series, The Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature, we celebrate social and scientific innovators with breakthrough solutions for restoring people and planet, creating a future environment of hope. I think that for survival reasons, people are going to start moving towards building a sustainable local economy for our very survival. But on top of that, it's not like we're going back to the cave age, you know, as we try to reduce our carbon emissions, that there's a joy in this, in working together, that people in our society are hungry for. We're hungry for a sense of community. We're hungry for having a shared vision of what we're going to build together. The nature of nature is change and at times it revs into fast forward. As we navigate the onset of climate change, we're witnessing the rapid obsolescence of the human systems we built on the assumption of cheap oil. The clock is running out on expensive and vulnerable practices such as the long-distance fossil-fueled global supply chains that transport the average bite of our food 1,200 miles to reach our plates. Inevitably, communities are starting to move toward a greater relocalization of such basics as food, energy, and water. And that makes sense because that's how nature is organized. As the feisty restaurant entrepreneur Judy Wicks points out, there's a very appetizing upside to this shift. Wicks is at the forefront of the spreading movement for localization. She's growing greater security and nourishing sustainable communities. She's defining business's best practices along the way. Join us for Business for the Common Good, Building Local Living Economies in the Age of Climate Change with Judy Wicks. My name is Neil Harvey. Welcome to the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. Judy Wicks has helped redefine business as co-founder of a network called Bali, the Business Alliance for Local Living Economies. But that hardly begins to tell the story. Her very full plate reveals the stunning abundance of nourishing programs and initiatives that she's brought forth from her passion for local community, great food, and howling good fun, as she told a recent Bioneers Conference audience. When I get up in the morning and open my closet door, I see a sign that says, Good morning, beautiful business. And it's a daily reminder to me of just how beautiful business can be 
when we put our creativity and our energy and our care into producing a service or a product for our community. Economic exchange can really be one of the most meaningful of human interactions. When I see that sign in the morning, I, I think about the farmers out in the fields picking fresh fruits and vegetables to bring into the cafe that day. And I think about the farm animals, the pigs and the cows and the chickens out there in pasture enjoying fresh air and sunshine. Our goat herder, Dougie Newbald, who says that when she kisses her goat's ears, it makes the cheese better. <laughs> I think of the bakers coming in, putting cakes and pies in the oven, and the maintenance crew making sure everything is clean and repaired before the guests arrive. I think of the Indians down in Chiapas, Mexico, picking the organic coffee beans <laughs> for our morning cup. Business is about relationships. Money is simply a tool. Business is about relationships with everyone we buy from and sell to and work with, and about our relationship with Earth itself. My business is the way I express my love for the world, and that's what makes it a thing of beauty. The first time I walked onto the street where I live and work today in 1972, I was enchanted. The narrow tree-lined street with a row of charming, if somewhat run-down Victorian brownstone houses was a little oasis from the unfriendly institutional feeling that surrounded it. But just after I moved into an apartment at 3420 Sanson Street, future home of the White Dog Cafe, I learned that the entire block was condemned to be torn down to make way for a shopping mall. How could it be that these lovely brownstone houses would be demolished and local business owners and residents forced out to build chain stores and fast food restaurants? I was outraged. This must have been my first Bali moment. I eagerly joined our local community group organized to fight the demolition and save our, our homes and businesses. We developed an alternative proposal to the shopping mall based on the vision of urban activist Jane Jacobs, author of Death and Life in Great American Cities, who fought to save her own community in Greenwich Village from the wrecking ball. Jacobs talked about the importance of mixed use, where communities prospered with a diverse and lively mixture of residential and retail, where people could live and work and go to school and find leisure activities in the same walkable communities. Jacobs challenged the urban renewal movement of the 50s and 60s, where whole neighborhoods were raised in destroying vibrant communities and thriving personalized local businesses to build sterile high-rise office buildings and housing projects. Walkable communities were replaced by car-dependent suburbs, where housing plans and shopping malls destroyed rich farmlands for no more than what Jacobs called cheap parking. People no longer worked in the same community where they lived. Work life and family life became separate. Studies show that it was this time in the 1950s when people were separated by migration to the suburbs when happiness in America's society began to decline. It was also the time of increased industrialization of agriculture where farmers, stewards of the earth, began to be forced off their farms by corporate farms and developers, and consumers lost this personal link with the earth and with our food. Today we no longer know who grows our food, who bakes our bread, who brews our beer, who sews our clothes, who builds our houses. We become disconnected from each other and from our places. Without these direct relationships, few of us think of the consequences of our economic transactions on other people and communities and animals and nature. Like the family farm, family inn, and other traditional family businesses, I live above the shop in the old-fashioned way. Living and working in the same community has not only given me a stronger sense of place, but a different business outlook. Making business decisions in the best interest of the common good comes naturally when those affected are friends, neighbors, and employees, and the environment I experience every day. There's a short distance between me as the business decision maker and those affected by my decisions, a basic principle of Bali.
Judy Wicks understands that business can be a powerful vehicle for embracing the work that needs doing in a community. What began for her as an impulse to preserve her community and home soon flowered into a restaurant. 24 years later, her White Dog Cafe is world-renowned, of course for its mouth-watering food, but that's just for appetizers. Her social enterprise also serves up innovative programs on community food security, arts for social change, and a wide range of practical initiatives around economic justice, fair trade, peace, racial equity, and environmental protection. Since the beginning, her not-so-secret ingredient has been a generous helping of love. As a small business owner, I am more likely to make decisions from the heart, and I'll give you a couple of examples of this. Uh, one was the concept of paying a living wage. When I first heard about this, I had the typical business person's knee-jerk reaction, no one's going to tell me how much to pay my staff. But one day I was down in the kitchen, and I, by coincidence, three young men uh, looked up at me while they were prepping vegetables. And I thought to myself, of course I want these three young men to make a living wage. How could I think otherwise? For someone that works 40 hours a week in the White Dog Cafe, not to be able to buy their food and pay the rent, of course I want to pay a living wage. What have I been thinking? On another occasion, I was influenced by my direct relationship with nature. I had heard about the problem of global warming, the idea of sustainable energy. I understood the principles intellectually, but I hadn't been moved yet until there was a drought in Pennsylvania about eight years ago. And I went up to my special little place where I like to hike in the Poconos and found that the leaves were falling off the trees in July and all the beautiful big ferns were all crumpled up like brown tissue paper and the creek was dry as a bone with just dust on the rocks. And as I walked through the woods and the, all the creakiness of the dried branches and leaves beneath my feet and there was an eerie silence. Otherwise, not even the birds were singing and there was just a sense of fire in the air. And it was as though the, the woods uh, expressed this stress. And I became a tree hugger. I went over to this big oak tree, and I hugged this tree. And I thought, oh my god, this is what it's going to be like with global warming, with droughts and fires in some parts of the world, and floods and storms in others. And I put my face against the bark and promised that I would do something about global warming. So I went back to town and told my office to find out about how we could sign up for alternative energy. And we became the first business in Pennsylvania to get 100% of our electricity from renewable sources. <laughs> Thank you. Judy Wicks has single-handedly redefined the possibilities of what a restaurant can be and do. But make no mistake, the White Dog is a profitable business, too. Otherwise, it would not have survived and thrived for 25 years. So what kind of business is it? I, in my work, talk about how we have to change the idea of growth away from growth of the material. Bigger is better and accumulating more and more material goods and more and more money and so on to realizing that we can grow in other ways, that we can grow in our creativity and our, our knowledge and our consciousness and our relationships, deepening our relationships and, and having more fun. Whether um, we're facing climate change, and that's another issue here that I feel as though climate change and peak oil are putting wind in the sails of the local living economy movement because, first of all, by buying local and having local production of our basic needs, we're cutting down on carbons right there. But the second point is that in creating a self-reliant local economy, we're preparing ourselves for a future of the effects that climate change will have in our world, both the climate uh, chaos and social chaos that is going to disrupt these long-distance supply chains that 
attach us to corporations that we, we are dependent on for our food, for our energy, for our clothing, for everything, basically, and that people are going to start to realize that our security does not lie you know, uh, with corporations feeding and clothing us and, and giving us our information and, and everything else, but rather that our security lies in having community self-reliance of developing these sustainable systems with others in our community so that, that our basic needs are produced locally. I think that for survival reasons that people are going to start to understand that and start moving towards building a sustainable local economy for our very survival. But on top of that, it's not like we're going back to the cave age, you know, as we try to reduce our carbon emissions, that there's a joy in this and working together that people in our society are hungry for. We're hungry for a sense of community. We're hungry for having a shared vision of what we're going to build together. We have a lot on our side in terms of making this big change. We have just the, <laughs> the idea of survival, but we also have the wind in our sails of greater collective joy which is so lacking in our, in our society right now. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be hard, but it's going to be fun because we're going to gain so much of what we've lost by building community. Bali businesses like Wick's White Dog Cafe are reinventing the whole notion of growth. The real question is, what do we want to grow? When we return, more from Judy Wicks on her love of business, people, and planet. This is Business for the Common Good, building local living economies in the age of climate change. I'm Neil Harvey. You're listening to The Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. You can download this and other programs on the radio pages at www.bioneers.org. What do we want to grow? Despite her success, Judy Wicks chose not to grow the White Dog Cafe beyond about $5 million in annual revenues. She rejected offers to franchise the restaurant in favor of staying local, which made her certifiably insane in conventional business circles. She was not naive in making these decisions. She was intimately involved in the birth of the socially responsible business movement in the late 1980s, along with companies such as Stonyfield Yogurt, Ben & Jerry's, and The Body Shop. But unlike these companies that chose to grow big and then try to change the system from inside the giant multinational corporations that acquired them, Wicks chose to grow deeper into the community. Since the advent of the responsible business movement, even though much progress was made in the concept of the multiple bottom line, the environmental crisis had worsened, wealth equality was worse, family farms were being put out of business by factory farms, family businesses by chain stores and Walmarts, and other companies that had been models of social responsibility had been sold to multinationals, adding to the concentration of wealth and power that the movement was organized to combat in the first place. Odwalla Juice sold to Coca-Cola, Rhino Records to Time Warner, Cascadian Farms to General Mills, and more recently, Stonyfield Farms to Group Danon, Toms of Maine to Colgate, and the body shop to L'Oreal. I could see that the socially responsible business movement that I had been part of for years was continuing to use the old paradigm 
of continual growth to measure our success, and have been neglecting important issues like a sense of place, appropriate scale, and ownership. Democracy depends on having many owners. The more owners, the more freedom and equality. <laughs> so now the movement for responsible business has two fronts. Those bringing reforms in the large corporations, such as uh, Ben and & Jerry's and Stonyfield, continue to, to model. And those of us that are working to build an alternative to corporate globalization through the local living economy movement. Wix became a national leader for the local living economies movement. The Business Alliance of Local Living Economies is now an alliance of over 60 local business networks in Canada and the United States, comprised of over 15,000 locally owned, community-based businesses. Judy Wicks. Building local economies uh, not only reduces carbon emissions, but at the same time, this is preparing us for a world affected by climate change by reducing our reliance on long-distance corporate supply chains, easily interrupted by adverse weather and social upheaval. The local living economy movement is essentially about decentralization and localization, localization of business ownership to bring economic control back to our communities from faraway boardrooms, localization of energy sources so that we're not dependent on oil from faraway places and every community has access to locally produced renewable energy. It's about localization of our food system so that we have food security, localization and decentralization of communications, promoting independent media that's free of corporate control localization of culture in order to protect local cultures from corporate monoculture, localization of politics to align economic development with local business ownership and green regional economies, and localization of leadership to have many local heroes rather than national icons. Perhaps most importantly, developing communities around the world with local food, water, and energy security creates the foundation for world peace. <laughs> Thank you. During debate about climate change and the need to cut carbon emissions, there's often a focus on the costs and the hardships of moving to a low carbon economy. But there's little talk of the benefits to our quality of life. We're not talking about going back to the cave age. This is rather about gathering with our good friends and family over delicious and nutritious locally produced food, great meals that we share in a warm, well-insulated home that we get to um, by riding our bikes or walking along uncongested streets or taking public transportation. People go to farmer's markets not just to get food, but for the sense of community and a sense of place that comes from it. There was a time when I questioned my success because I didn't have two or three restaurants, but I made a conscious decision to stay small because I realized that being one special restaurant rather than growing, I would be able to maintain what was really important to me, which was the authenticity of the relationships I had with my customers and staff and suppliers and community that I would lose. I came to understand that success could be measured in other ways than growing materially, by increasing knowledge, by expanding our consciousness, by developing our creativity, by deepening relationships, increasing happiness and well-being, and having more fun. <laughs> Again, the question, what do we want to grow? If you're a business person, do you want to grow your competitors? Unthinkable. Yet Judy Wicks decided to do exactly that. Back in the 1980s, Wicks realized that working her own enterprise just wasn't enough to change the world. So she started the Fair Food Project to teach her radically successful practices to competitors in order to extend her learning throughout the city and build a sustainable food system. 
It was no longer enough to just be having the right practices within my company. I had to move from a competitive mentality to one of cooperation in order to build a whole local economy based on humane and sustainable farming. So I asked the farmer who was bringing in the pork, uh, would you like to grow your business? And he said, yes. And I said, what's holding you back? And he said, I need $30,000 to buy a refrigerated truck. So I loaned him the $30,000. And then I formed our nonprofit, White Dog Community Enterprises, and hired our first staff person, Ann Carlin, whose job it was to go around to the other restaurants in town and talk them into buying from local farmers. And that's how we began. I started putting 20% of my profits into our nonprofit work, and Fair Food has grown to uh, publish a local food guide, connect hundreds of farmers and restaurants. We have a farm institution program and many, many other things. Education has become a product of the White Dog. We take our customers on solar house tours, teach them how to conduct energy audits of their homes, how biodiesel works, where our food comes from. We take them on tours of farms, of prisons, uh, child watch tours uh, to witness the lives of the inner city children. We took 35 customers and staff down to New Orleans to volunteer after Katrina. <laughs> Some people say that my real profession is using good food to lure innocent customers into social activism. <laughs> and in her spare time, she creates whimsical and joyous community celebrations, like the annual Dance of the Ripe Tomatoes and the locally famous rocking Fourth of July celebration in the home of the Liberty Bell and Continental Congress. For many years, we put on our Liberty and Justice for All Ball on Fourth of July Eve out in the street, and I put on a skit called Birth of the Nation, where I dressed up as a pregnant colonial woman. So after we had a big meal of locally grown foods, first the Revolutionary War man would come out with his drum, and then a midwife with her lantern, and then I came out in colonial dress with clown face and a big stomach that I, where I had a beach ball underneath it, moaning in labor pains, and my midwife helped me into this bed out in the street that was decorated in red, white, and blue, and the audience yelled, push! And, uh, uh, push. Under the covers, I uh, was up in my birthing position, and I s uh, secretly passed the beach ball down through this hidden hole in the bed, and my midwife delivered my two twins, a black woman or a white woman, dressed in red, white, and blue. One said liberty, the other said justice, and they hopped up onto the stage and did a tap dance to Yankee Doodle Dandy, and we <laughs> wheeled out the, s the Statue of Liberty and light our sparklers and saw God bless America. Um, <laughs> These are the, the celebrations that in, increase happiness and build community and historically have been put on by local businesses in my community. The local grocery store always put on the holiday party. Building a sustainable and inclusive local economy is not only about our responsibility to future generations, but about our reconnecting to place and with each other as we build joyful communities. Creating local identity through local musicians and artists and creative entrepreneurs. Increasing happiness and fulfillment that comes from working collaboratively toward a shared vision. From one small restaurant have grown innovative ideas for change. There are few things more powerful than an idea whose time has come. The movement for local living economies is all that, delivered just in time. The local living economy movement is about maximizing relationships, not maximizing profits. It's about growth of consciousness and creativity, not brands and market share. Democracy and decentralized ownership, not concentrated wealth. A living return, not the highest return. A fair price, not the lowest price. Sharing, not hoarding. Simplicity, not gluttony. Life-serving, not self-serving. Partnership, not domination. Cooperation-based, not competition-based. Win-win exchange, not win-lose exploitation. 
family farms, not factory farms, biodiversity, not monocrops, cultural diversity, not monoculture, creativity, not conformity, slow food, not fast food, Arbucks, not Starbucks, <laughs> Armart, not Walmart, valuing life over lifestyle, and as the Earth Charter says, being more, not having more. At its heart, our movement for local living economies is about love, and it's love that can overcome the fear that many may feel in the hard days ahead brought on by climate change and environmental collapse. In my own experience, it was my love of animals that motivated me to challenge the factory farm system and begin building a local living economy in my region. Our power comes from protecting what we love, love of place, love of life, people, animals, nature, all of life on this beautiful planet Earth. And I would say for the entrepreneurs amongst us, it also is about our love of business. Business has been corrupted as an instrument of greed rather than one of service to the common good. Yet we know that business is beautiful when we put our creativity and care into producing a product or service that our community really needs. Our materialistic society has desensitized us to the suffering that underlies our industrial economic system. We're also desensitized by a false idea of masculinity based on control and domination. We need a more feminine, caring, nurturing approach to life to bring forth the goddess in each of us, men and women, to allow peace and harmony to come to our world. <laughs> what provides the energy and passion for all we must do in this movement is simply to allow ourselves to love what we love and in so doing, find our place as humans in the family of life. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Judy Wicks, changing the business climate in the age of climate change, serving people and planet with fantastic local food, community, and heaping portions of love. Business for the common good, building local living economies in the age of climate change. Downloads of this program and many other Bioneers radio shows are available on the radio pages at www.bioneers.org or by calling 1-877-BIONEER. That's 1-877-246-6337. Visit Bioneers.org where you can learn how to attend the annual October Bioneers National Conference and local beaming Bioneers conferences. Purchase the radio series, conference CDs and DVDs, and Bioneers books. Join the thriving online Bioneers community and become a Bioneers member or make a donation. All at Bioneers.org or by calling 1-877-BIONEER. The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Ausubel. Written by Catherine Stifter and Kenny Ausubel. Senior producer, Neil Harvey. Managing producer, Stephanie Welch. Station relations by Creative PR. Distribution is by WFMT Radio Network. Interview recording engineer, Jeff Westman. Our theme music is taken from the album Journey Between by Baca Beyond and used by permission of Hannibal Records, a Ryko Disc label. Additional music was made available by Jake Sheps at www.jakesheps.com. That's Jake, S-C-H-E-P-P-S, dot com. For more music information, please visit Bioneers.org. 
The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature radio series are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0809. Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is made possible in part by Organic Valley, a farmer-owned cooperative producing local food with the future in mind since 1988. Learn more at organicvalley.com.